Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, I really need you to pay attention today. Oh, we're going to have fun with this. I got a lot of info, so let's go right to the book of James, chapter number three. We'll start reading there. It says, now many of you should, or not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Everybody say criticism. Before I dive into the meat of this message, I want to start with a story. Uh, about a year ago, I was preaching at another church, and I was preaching on the topic of, of our words. I was talking about how our words have power, that we speak life and death, that angels respond to the Word of God that you and I speak. And, um, you know, just, just preached the message, got to the end, did an altar call, had some people get saved, and um, then several people responded to, to the altar for a time of prayer, and I was thinking, all right, everything went well until I went to the back of the church as people were exiting. And one after uh, another, each person came by, they very complimentary, very kind, you know, great job, pastors, great to have you. And, uh, and I guess one uh, older lady did not feel any peer pressure to stay with the kindness. Um, because when she made it to me, um, she said, I, I got a couple of things I need to say. And, you know, when people start like that, you know it's not going anywhere positive. And just so you'll know, there, there is always one rude, critical lady in every church. You can strike her down, but the devil will raise two more up. 
It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual principle. Anyway, she, she went on to speak, you know, her thoughts about everything, and I can't remember everything she said, but when she finished her critical statement about the message that I had spoken that day, at that moment, it caused me to question everything I had said. I thought maybe I was theologically incorrect, and, and, and mind you, people have just gotten saved. People had just responded to the Word of God. And now I'm struggling because of one word of criticism. Criticism is destructive. I don't think we realize how destructive it can be. And when I, I talk to, I don't want you to think that I am talking about constructive feedback. Constructive feedback should be welcomed by everyone. If you want to get better, you need feedback. And constructive feedback comes from a place of care. It comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of, I want you to get better. We all need constructive feedback. But I want to deal with criticism because um, I, I believe that criticism is one of those things that, that many times it goes undetected in our lives. And when, when I'm talking about it today, I want you to, to really know what I'm talking about. Criticism is unkind. Criticism is nitpicking. Criticism looks for what's wrong instead of what's right. Criticism is uninformed. And criticism is cruel. People who operate in what I call a nasty critical spirit, a lot of times they get some kind of weird affirmation by tearing you down. Like their attempt to tear you down makes them feel better about their life. And rude and self-serving as, as the critical spirit comes off, we must understand that those who operate with that mentality are also dealing with pride insecurity, and ignorance. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later. Everybody say criticism. Those who struggle with this um, cannot be pleased usually. No matter what you do, you can do 99 things right, but they will find the one you do wrong. And they're going to focus on the one area that you did wrong. This critical spirit wants to point out flaws in others to, once again, to make themselves feel better. And some of you are thinking right now, oh my goodness, thank the Lord. My spouse needs to hear this. My boss really needs it. You know, we, we, we immediately start thinking about all the people that need to hear this kind of message but I'm not calling this, this sermon series Taming Your Spouse's Tongue or Taming Your Boss's Tongue. I want you to tame your tongue. We all need to tame our tongue. And in order to limit the damage of the tongue, we have to be intentional. We have to make a choice as to what words we're going to utilize. Because my ability to tame my tongue will determine my ability to direct my life. A lot of people have a world of chaos, and the reason they have a world of chaos is because of the words that they speak. My tongue determines my direction. And so I want to say something here as it relates to criticism. Criticism can actually 
stop God's favor from coming into your life. This is going over well. Um, it, it can stop the blessing of God from coming into your life. And the problem with criticism is that we usually can't see it in the mirror. None of us like to be criticized, right? No, nobody likes that. But oftentimes, we justify our criticism of others with statements like, I just tell it like it is. I'm keeping it real. I'm a truth teller, right? I, I wouldn't be critical if they weren't so stupid. I, I wouldn't be so critical if they weren't so dumb, so weird. If, if they would raise their kids like my kids, I wouldn't be critical. If they would steward their money the way I steward my money, I wouldn't be critical. And so we always have these justifications as to why we're allowed to be critical, but none of us like to be criticized. And so I'm going to combine two scriptures together that we don't normally put them together. We only read the first part of this and we leave the last half off. But look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We all know that, right? We, we know that verse. We, we know what it means. We quote it. We say it. We've heard it preached. But there's a conjunction there that connects two thoughts. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. It goes back to what James said. He said that we praise God with our mouth and then we criticize God's creation with our mouth. Isn't it interesting that we can come to church and sing the songs and hear the sermon and say amen and all that and, and praise God and then leave and go criticize people that are created in the image of God? that we tear them down. We use our words to tear down instead of to build up. And I have met Christians who were extremely critical, constantly critical. Um, their words are, are used often to cut other people, to tear them down. And we need to know that our words can, especially critical words, and I'm going to be just methodical today because I have to walk this out. Our, our critical words can destroy our relationships. And you don't have to look any further than the marriage when a spouse becomes critical and can't thank their spouse for the 89 things they do right but only pick on the couple of things they don't do well. They... I know some of you are getting ready to elbow your spouse. Don't do it because we're, we're, we're getting ready to go a little deeper, all right? It, it's crazy how that I have met some people who are raised in a home where the parents were extremely critical and they never felt like they measured up and they hated that because of the way it made them feel and yet they're an adult and they're having kids and instead of figuring that out, it's passed down to their generation and then they treat their kids the same way they were treated and they become critical. So the point being, the only way to tame the tongue 
and, and we're going to talk about four different areas. We have to make a choice. We have to be intentional because it's impossible to maintain healthy relationships with a critical speech. Many times the health of a relationship or the lack of health in a relationship is all about the words that we choose to use. So let me ask you some questions today. What if, what if your critical words are actually creating distance in your marriage? What if your critical words is driving a wedge between you and someone you love? What, what if there is distance being created because you have become extremely critical? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. That first part, he said, some people make cutting remarks. In our generation, it doesn't even have to be remarks. Our criticism can, can, can come through text. Y'all need some examples, I can see. Um, maybe... And, and please don't say he's beating up on women or men. This goes both ways, all right? So I'm, everybody say it goes both ways, all right? Maybe you're at home and you had a rough day with the kids. You may be the husband, may be the mama. Okay, doesn't matter. It goes both ways. But you had a rough day with the kids and your spouse is at work. And it's been one of them long days. Like Jesus is the rapture today because I hope it is. But instead of like handling it appropriately, because we can't fix what's going on at home, we'll send a text that says, um, so glad you checked on us, we're not dead. <laughs> all right, see, everybody's laughing because we've all been in that spot. Like, so glad you checked on me, honey, we're not dead. Hope your day's great. To which they could respond, I hope you're enjoying that house I pay for. <laughs> if we're going to go there, come on, y'all. If you haven't done it, you've thought it. You've thought it. And, and, and so, listen, that, that, we, we can laugh about that, but how many know that, those little sly, those are critical. Those, those are critical comments that cut. No matter how you slice it, those are remarks that cut people. And, and you may know your spouse loves you, but if, if you're sending those kind of critical statements to them, it's going to create distance. And so some people, they cut, they hurt, they criticize, but the writer said other people, when they speak, they bring healing. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians 4. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So no unwholesome talk, nothing unhelpful, nothing impure. We're going to speak words that do not tear people down, but build people up. And here, here's the thing. Some of us, we have no idea how one word of criticism can stick with a person for years. How one statement that we make cuts them so deeply in, in such a negative way that they carry that for a long time. And I don't want to just focus on the negative. 
On the other end, one word of encouragement. How many of you understand God can use one word of encouragement to give that person the faith to go on? And, and so our words have power. Everybody say that. Our words have power. Our words create. Our words are life or death. We get to choose how we use them. Some people make cutting remarks, Paul said, but other people, they build others up with their words. And so we have to be intentional. The truth is, with our words, we can be a life giver or a life taker. We can be a confidence builder or a confidence shrinker. We, we can fill a room with energy with our words or we can suck the life out of the room with words of criticism. We have that power. We get to choose. Our words are powerful. So what kind of person do you want to be? I believe there's only two options. Two options as to what kind of person we can be. Number one, and you, you need to grab these, all right? Number one, you can be a fault finder. And I just want to say right up front, anybody can do that. Anybody can be a fault finder. A lot of people think that their gift to the world is to find fault. Like they, they tell you what's wrong and it's not about them improving anything. They just want you to know you're wrong. And what you're doing is wrong. And because of our sin nature, we have a tendency to look for the things that are wrong, not for the things that are right. And just because you're saved, how many of your spirit got saved, that doesn't mean your tongue got saved. Some of us need to bring the tongue to the baptismal next week and just put it in, baby. Come on, just put that tongue in there. We're going to get it saved. Why? Because we continually choose negative words critical words that do not build up but tear people down. And sometimes we, we get so critical. I mean, we're, we're criticizing things people can't even help. I don't like the way you walk. I don't like the way you talk. Your snoring bothers me. I hate the way you breathe. Now, how many know when you start hating the way somebody breathes, we got problems. That marriage is not going to make it. Like it, You're not going to come through that. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can meet somebody for the first time. Like we just met them. And by lunch, we've already decided we don't like them and we got a list of nine reasons as to why. Critical spirit. It's nasty. We carry that from the home. We carry it into church sometimes. Sometimes we carry that same spirit into the workplace. Comes out a little different at work. I don't like the way he runs meetings. And I hate when they bring a plan to the meeting because all their plans are dumb. Their plans never work. She says she loves Jesus, but I saw what she posted on Instagram. Looks like she loves her body. Oh, I'm in your business now. We going there today. <laughs> Can you believe the way they raise their kids? I'm not hiding today. See, some people are fault finders. 
And what we have to understand about being a fault finder, it puts us in the same category as the Pharisees. The Pharisees, all they did was find fault. Everybody was picked apart. They knew the law inside and out, and because they knew the law and were self-righteous, they judged everybody, criticized everybody. Nobody could do anything right in their eyes. Even Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect, they found fault with him. So if Jesus couldn't please them, we know nobody could. So when we are critical, it puts us in that category, not only as the Pharisees, but it puts us in the same category as the devil. When we are consistently critical, we are acting just like Satan. Satan is always critical. He is always finding fault. He is always tearing down and and making people feel worse about themselves. He works through this thing that we call condemnation. And at the end of the day, what does criticism do? It makes people feel condemned. It makes them feel worse than they are. And so the Pharisees and the devil find fault. And I want to give you three things real quick. The next time you are critical and you're operating in a critical spirit, here are the three reasons why you're doing it. Is that all right? The first reason as to why you're doing it is because critical people are prideful. When we are critical of others, it is because we think we know what's best. Like, I know God's got a plan for your life, but I have a better one for you. Give me 10 minutes and I can fix all your problems. Here's what you need to do with your life. We know it's pride because it stems from self-righteousness. And the other thing about critical people, and I'm going to throw this out there. Critical people, though they can tear people down and run over them, a lot of times they can't handle what they dish out. So they'll dish it, dish it, dish it, you know, tear you up one side, down the other. But if they receive one word of criticism, oh, now I'm offended. I'm offended. I I can't believe that you would say that. See, critical people are prime. Secondly, they are insecure. Critical people are insecure people. Oftentimes, the fruit of criticism is the root of insecurity. And this insecurity is masked by putting off a vibe that says, I know what's best. I'm an expert in, y'all never met that person who's an expert in all fields? Doesn't matter what it is, they're the expert. Critical people will sometimes seem like they have it all together. But here's what you need to know about a person who is always operating in criticism. A lot of times it's because they have issues that they've not been able to fix in their own life. So instead of working on me, I'm going to work on you. I'm going to show you what's wrong with your life. Nothing screams insecurity more than a critical spirit. Um, The third reason as to why. Critical people are blinded by, by a cloud of ignorance. And what I mean by that, we, we can all become critical when we lack understanding. How I many of sometimes we're critical about things we know nothing about? Let me give you an example. Some people hate this church and they've never been here. 
I mean, it makes no sense. Some people don't like you, and they've never met you. Critical. Why They're not close enough to have the proper perspective. And so the easy way out is to just be critical. It's kind of like before you had kids, and you saw a family in Walmart, and little Johnny was about two, looked like he was about two, you didn't have kids yet, and little Johnny's throwing himself in the floor, screaming to the top of his lungs, but you've not had kids. So it's easy to say, I can't believe they can't control little Johnny. Like, I can't believe they're letting that kid do that, not understanding that if they had context, they would understand you cannot negotiate with terrorists. One day, little Johnny will be with you when you have kids. And I hope you reap what you sow, but I do. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, when we criticize, we tend to think it makes me smarter. It makes me look better. We think it puts us up on a pedestal and it puts them down. And and what we need to understand, it's the exact, what it does when we live in that realm it makes us look mean-spirited. It, it makes us look like we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to take it another step. I have never met a critical person that I wanted to be like. I know a lot of positive people I would like to be like, but I've never met a critical person that I wanted to be like. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that's really scary to read in a church filled with women. So I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. It goes both ways. All right? So here's what I, I need a little help. Number one, I don't need you to say amen. Don't need you to scream, preach it. Don't need you to elbow anybody. All right? Eyes forward. Right here, don't hit the spouse, all right? It goes both ways, but look at what Proverbs 21, 9 says. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. It goes both ways. How many of you understand it's better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining husband? It works both ways. And we can fill our home with an atmosphere of building each other up, or we can fill our homes with tearing one another down. The choice is ours. We get to choose how we handle that. So we can either be a fault finder, or two, we can be a hope dealer. I didn't say dope dealer. I said hope dealer. All right? Everybody say hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to let that verse sink in. The Apostle Paul is saying that as believers, we should be overflowing with hope. My question is, is hope overflowing from your life or is criticism overflowing from your life? When you walk into a room, do you tear people down or do you build them up? 
The Apostle Paul was amazing at dealing hope. I mean, you don't have to look any further than Romans chapter 8. Go back and read Romans 8. He starts the whole chapter out by saying, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of that is hope? He, he says that the Holy Spirit will help us when we're weak. That gives me hope. He said, Jesus is praying for you and I. That gives me hope. And he continues all the way down to the end. And then he starts talking about what could separate us from the love of God. And he says it like this. He says, neither death nor life, neither demons or angels, neither powers of the present or the future, neither heights nor depth, neither anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of that is hope filled? Now, here's the connection I want to make. The Apostle Paul, betrayed, talked about, beaten, locked up in prison, if he was able to deal hope to everyone he met, what's your excuse? What's my excuse? Why are we not dishing out hope? Why are we not building one another up? What would happen if you're in, in your marriage if you started thanking your spouse for all the things they did do instead of criticizing them for the one or two things they don't do? What would happen in your workplace if you built your coworkers up instead of tearing them down? What would happen in all your relationships if we chose not to be a fault finder but a hope dealer? See, the Pharisees were always finding, hope, finding fault. The devil always finds fault. But everywhere we read about Jesus, it says that he gives hope. Paul told Timothy that Jesus is our hope. In the book of Titus, we read that Jesus is our blessed hope. First Peter says Jesus is our living hope. Everywhere Jesus went, he extended hope. Even to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he extended hope hope. A lot of us, we can't get over somebody saying something negative about us, much less get over what, what Jesus did for this lady. Shows up that day, the Pharisees had brought this woman who was caught in the act of adultery into the presence of Jesus and began to quote scripture and says, the law says she should be put to death. And Jesus doesn't respond. The Bible says he knelt down in the sand and he started writing with his finger in the sand. The scripture says that all those present, from oldest to the youngest, I guess the younger ones were new and kind of slow to the party, but they all left. Scholars believe that what Jesus did was he listed their sins. Probably a good indication is something in that vein because they all left that day and Jesus asked the lady, he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're all gone. And Jesus said something very powerful. He said, neither do I condemn you. There's a better way. Go and sin no more. In a moment where there was judgment everywhere, he extended hope to her. And here's what I want you to know about criticism. Criticism is not only destructive, but it can be contagious. That some of us, because of who we're hanging out with, 
we've become more critical. We listen to criticism all day long and then wonder why we are being critical. See, you have no idea how one word of criticism can create distance between you and somebody you love. But on the other end of that, one word of encouragement could give somebody the faith to continue. See, let no unwholesome talk, Paul said, come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So your kid is not that organized, but maybe your kid has a great heart. Tell them. Maybe, maybe your, your spouse struggles. Maybe your husband, ladies, is not going to win yard of the year. It's not in the cards. He's not that dude. But he's an amazing dad, tell him. How I many we need to start finding what's right instead of always looking for what's wrong? Anybody can find fault, but God is looking for some people who can give hope. 2 Corinthians 13 and 11, Paul says, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage one, each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. One of the biggest indictments against a critical spirit is that it shows, especially for a believer, it shows a lack of growth. When we remain critical in our speech, it shows that we are not becoming more like Jesus. Y'all just shouting me down today. It shows that we are immature when we cannot limit the damage of our tongue. See, we are called to give words of life, words of hope, and we need some humility. We, we have to humble ourselves in order, in order to do this because I think one of the reasons, as the worship team comes back, I think one of the re reasons we are so critical is because we have forgotten what God did for us. I'm going to say a couple of things. I want you to grab hold of this. The closer you get to God, the more aware you will become of your own issues. Notice I didn't say the closer you get to God, you, you become more aware of everyone else's issues. You would think some people, they've been with Jesus, and so now they're the police, spiritual po police. Like, I'm going to point out everything wrong in your life. No, when I spend time with God, it makes me aware of my issues, of my weaknesses. And I'll say it a different way so we can really grab this. We have to understand the depth of our sin to understand the magnitude of God's grace. Don't you dare forget all the garbage God forgave you as you criticize every person in your life. Think of where you would be if it had not been for the grace of God. So I think there is a wedge that, become, that comes between where we are and where we need to be. And that wedge oftentimes is that we forget what God did for us. How much mercy He gave to us. When we continue to be stupid, God was still merciful. Yet we don't oftentimes extend that same hope, same mercy to other people. Again, anyone can be a fault finder. 
Criticism. Go ahead and stand with me. I got a couple things I want to say to you, but you can stand for this part. Criticism is a sin that needs to be repented of. It's something that we, we, we need to get it out of our heart, out of our life. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, if this is an area of struggle for you, no shame in that. As the Holy Spirit lights, lights it up and shows you that this is something you need to work on, just work with God in that. Man, be like Paul. Be a, be a hope dealer. Be, be, be a person that builds other people up. I came in really, really early this morning and... Um, as I was praying about this, you know, choices lead, feelings follow. I have to make a choice as to how I'm going to use my words. You say, well, I don't feel like building people up. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about ready to preach now. We're going to start over. We have to be intentional. Choices lead, feelings follow. You say, I don't really feel like building people up. If you'll make a choice to build others up, I promise you the feeling will, will eventually get there. The feeling will eventually catch up with the words that you're saying. Choices lead, feelings follow. Now, one of the things I think we struggle with in the church is we hear a message like this, and a lot of times we'll sit in the service and we'll say, amen, he's right, good preaching, you know. And then we leave and we're still critical. We'll go home and Pastor Chad will be the topic at lunch. That's not you. Y'all, y'all are holy. I, I know. But but here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want us to come hear something like this and then go and just be critical. Continue to do it. I think we have to be intentional to say, you know what, I'm gonna use my words to build people up. I, I'm going to use my, and so I, I really felt strong about challenging this body of believers, not only to be intentional, to be positive, but let's be intentional that for the next, y'all like this, and you're, you're going to love this, for the next 30 days, we're not going to look for what's wrong in every situation. We're going to try to find what's right. We're not going to tear people down. We're going to build people up. How many know this can become the way you live, but you got to start putting it into practice. So how many would say, Pastor, for the next 30 days, I'm going to do my best not to be critical. I'm going to do my best not to be critical. I don't want to be prideful, I don't want to be insecure, and I don't want to be blinded by my own ignorance. God help us. God help us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all over this building today? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you right now, God, Lord, that you would help us, God, to be intentional as it relates to taming our tongue. God, I pray that you would show us where we've been critical. Father, I pray that you would show us not only where we've been critical, but God, I, I pray, God, that you would help us to get past it, to repent. And God, maybe 
even to make things right with someone that we criticize. Help us to take that step, God, to repair relationships, God, to be people who build others up, not tear them down. God, we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would enable us, God, to change atmospheres, God, at the workplace, in our home, everywhere we go, God, that atmospheres would be changed by the words that we speak and decree. God, I pray, God, that God, that you would just do a deep work in all of us. Help us to recognize this when it's happening. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would check us when we're saying something that we shouldn't say. Help us to pause in the moment and be intentional so that we don't say the wrong things. God, we want you to be lifted up. We don't want to be a people that praises you with our mouth and then criticizes people with our mouth. God, we, we want to give you the glory, but we also want to build people up. We thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in this church. God, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do and accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can you give God a hand clap this morning for his word? He's going to do a work in us. Now, I think sometimes we become critical when we're fighting battles in our own strength. It's easy to become critical when you've not given God the battle and you're trying to, how many, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't, we don't, we're not fighting people. We're not. We're in a spiritual battle. And so criticizing and tearing down Man, that's, that's the arm of the flesh. That's you trying to make something happen. God wants to fight your battles, but you gotta give him the opportunity to do it. One more time, just bow your heads for just a moment. I wanna speak to anybody that's not in relationship with Jesus, either in this room or watching online. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior and you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need my sins forgiven. I need my sins forgiven. Anyone at all? Say, that's me. I want to be in relationship with Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Prayer team and staff, would you please move into place? We're going to sing this song that we ended with earlier. And here's what I believe. I, I sense this in worship today. Some of you are in a battle, and it's bigger than you, and you've tried to fix it, and it's gotten worse, and you've done all that you know to do. If you need prayer today, we're going to give God the battle, allow Him to fight our battles. So these altars are open during this last song. If you need prayer, please don't leave without receiving it. Before we do that, give Jesus the best hand clap you have all day. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.